From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We're back with Barb Perkins of Vermont Valley Community Farm for a part two of Barb's story focused on her next life chapter, after the farm's last growing season in 2018. Barb shares the challenging thought process of redefining what retirement is for her as a farmer, learning to listen to her body as she grows older, and joyfully embracing what's next after decades of running an intense CSA business. Hear about their additional seed potato business and how that venture fits into the farm. Barb Perkins, together with her husband David, ran Vermont Valley Community Farm CSA from 1994 through 2018. Vermont Valley was one of the first CSAs in the state and one of the largest. The farm engaged its members in many ways and became a vibrant community over the years. Barb is an advocate for CSA and an educator for CSA farmers and the community. We are back with Barb Perkins of Vermont Valley Community Farm. And Barb, your story and history here is is both so so wide and long and interesting. We wanted to put it in two episodes and our last one talked more on the, the history and the growth and the mission of Vermont Valley Community Farm. And now if we could shift to your next chapter and Dave's next chapter and how the farm is taking a new role because that's a struggle particularly for women in that you've created this baby, right? right. And what do you do with it? You can't, it, it, and, and you literally created this baby of the farm with your babies and your own children. And how do all those things play out? But over the course of the farm, you also started another farm-related business, right? Correct. Of the seed potatoes. How, how did that first come up as an idea? Probably about 12 or 13 years ago, um, we realized that the, the potatoes that we were buying in from other states, mostly Colorado. By the time they arrived here, they weren't in very good condition. And there are some disease issues in other states that Wisconsin wasn't experiencing. And David started thinking, well, we can grow our own seed potatoes. I mean, Wisconsin's a a potato state. But we were certified organic, and we had been since 1999. And so, of course... You could get seed potatoes in Wisconsin, but not certified organic. So David contacted the um, state seed potato program and got all the information and was not given much encouragement, if any, from them, because how can someone grow seed potatoes organically? So clearly they didn't understand. So <laughs> David curve. So David set out to prove them wrong. And uh, after the first season, well, at, at the end of each season, the seed potatoes get sent off to someplace warm 
they used to go to Florida, now they go to Hawaii, where they actually grow them out. They grow the crop and they harvest it and they test them for um, disease. And that's how they become certified by the state as a disease-free potato. So uh, that first season when we sent all of our varieties off to grow out, they came back clean as can be and disease-free. And I think this the Wisconsin State Seed Potato Program people were quite blown out of the water by this. How did this guy down in southern Wisconsin do this? And uh, so we then became part of the Seed Potato Program. Now, I always ran the CSA. So I have not been working directly with the Seed Potato Program, but David started it and our son Jesse took it over not a hundred percent, but took over a lot of a lot of aspects of it. So David and Jesse became the potato experts, and the seed potato program is going strong. We market all throughout the Midwest, and although we started the seed potato program to market it rather like CSA marketing, where farmers would come to our farm to pick up their potatoes, or we had three different drop sites: Duluth. Uh, someplace in Illinois, just outside of Chicago and Minneapolis. And we would take truckloads up there and then the farmers could, who lived closer to there, could pick up there. So we always had this, you know, these central drop-offs. But people started finding out about us and our varieties. And now we do a bit of shipping as well. On that local growing connection, for sure. And so that's always been a piece of your business puzzle pie. Right. Separate from the farm. Separate from, very separate from the CSA and about 5% of the farm's income. So really CSA has been the backbone. CSA was 100% of our family's income and it was was 100% of my son Jesse and his family's income and 100% of my son Eric's income. And so, and we also had several full-time employees and it was 100% of their family income. So I shouldn't say that. It was their income. They may have had a spouse that worked someplace else. But anyways, you this farm was for a lot of people. really supporting a lot, of, a lot of people. And that's another thing that about farming is so often farming, and not just CSA farming or organic farming, but any kind of farming. There's often a family member that works off farm to bring in supplemental income, to bring to work for the benefits. And we decided, you know, when we decided that this, we were going to be a very, very successful at, you know, earning enough income from this farm to support our family, uh, to pay for our own, our own benefits, our own, our own health insurance, to provide health insurance benefits to all of our full-time employees. And we did that. And we did it because we're direct marketing. And that's huge. Yeah. Um, so the seed potato business was born out of us wanting high quality potatoes for ourselves and then seeing that there was this need, especially after um, the federal the federal regulations came in for organic, that farmers had to buy organic seed when available. So now there were a lot of farmers um, looking for organic potato seed. So we were able to supply that. Got it. Sure. So now in the ending of 2019 has been almost a full year since the last CSA season here, right? After 24 years, right. your last one was in 2018. But, but back us up because this is a, this is a really big issue 
for farmers and particularly for women farmers that I work with who get really attached to their lives, right? And their livelihood. And how, when did ideas or the, the, the notion that, hey, there might, there's something next for us, a new life chapter, and what do we do with all these pieces start percolating for you and Dave? Do you remember? I don't know if it was, I don't know, it was a certain moment yeah, or I'm just, just kind of, or you were always in your planning, thinking into the future. Yeah, I'm too. just going to back up a bit because some of the things that, that you were saying just sparked some, some ideas um, or, or just some thoughts. As far as the farm, it was like a, like raising a child. So we started out with this very young child, this 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 very new concept, and it just grew, and it just became the farm took on a life of its own, and the farm continued to grow. And as the farm continued to grow, so the things that we did on the farm and what we, you know, what we encapsulated as part of the organism of the farm continued to grow and it needed to evolve, and. It was like I was one and the same with my farm. I hadn't grown up on a farm. I didn't really understand what kids that grew up on farm and what farmers understand is it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. So farming became my lifestyle. And it was, it was. I mean, I, I lived it and I breathed it and I was passionate about it. And everything about it was right and it worked so well for me and who I was. And, and David and I have very complementary skill sets. And so, you know, he was in charge of certain aspects of the farm and I was in charge of certain aspects of the farm and they were our aspects of the farm and our kids did other things on the farm. And then vegetable farming is really, really, really hard work. And I had, you know, physical injuries and I had a major surgery and I was in physical therapy a lot and I was on crutches a lot. And you know, when all these accidents would happen to me, other people would take over. And so there it was, okay, Barb, now this is your opportunity to let go a little bit. But as soon as my body was healed or almost healed, I would just jump back in and just take it all over again. And so I'm not the kind of personality that knows how to, how to step back. It was like, okay, this is, this is all mine and this is my big, my baby. And yes, I want a lot of people working with me and helping me. But I didn't really understand how to how to only do it partially. So um, we were in our late 30s when we started the farm. And as the decades went by, my body was not as forgiving as it was when I was 37 years old. Although I still acted like I was 37 years old and not 57 and, and going beyond that. And I started thinking this is not sustainable for my body anymore. And if I keep going like this, I'm not going to have a life as an older person. Um, I'm a very active person. I love to recreate outside and I love to ski and I love to swim and I love to do everything active. And I started getting worried that if I just kept going at the pace that I was going, um, I would just have this really gnarly old body that wasn't going to be able to to enjoy life into my 70s, 80s, and maybe 90s. Um so that got me thinking about what is retirement going to look like? And so that was probably, I want to say maybe eight years ago or so, uh, David and I started talking, what is retirement going to look like? Are the kids going to take the farm over? They were both still working full-time on the farm and were showing no signs of wanting to do anything else. And how old were they then about? Um, 
Jesse is now 37. Sir, Jesse is now 38. And Eric is 36. So, so young they were in their, in yeah, they were in their late 20s or so when I, when we started thinking about, okay, are, you know, do they want to transition the farm or do they want the farm? Do we want to transition it to them? And we had a lot of conversations with them, um, gave them more responsibility, um, shifted job roles on the farm, especially the last couple of years. Jesse took on a lot of my role as far as uh, managing crews and organizing the day and the week, um, which is what I always had done, just in preparation for doing that someday. Well, you have to experience it. You have to actually do it and do it while I'm here, while I can you know, help you and you can bounce things off of me. And how was that for you? I mean, you were talking about the challenges of letting go. You obviously consciously wanted to do that, but that was different, right? Right. Interestingly enough, letting go to a family member felt really different because it felt like, okay, this person has been involved and passionate and knows the farm at some sort of deep level, just like I did. And you know them. And it felt right. It felt really good. So over the years, of course, employees come and employees go and really awesome, excellent employees leave and can and move on to do something else really awesome in their lives. And they had, you know, Vermont Valley as a building block along the way. But, you know, with family, they were here and they weren't coming and going. And so it felt easier to let go to someone that I knew was going to stay. But after many, many conversations with our sons, the final decision was no they were not ready to take on the CSA. I think they actually really realized how much work it was. They realized that it was a lifestyle choice. Uh, My son Jesse has two small children, and he realizes there's no such thing as a summer vacation when you're farming. So, and it also was mine and David's passion together. Now, although his wife, Jana, was involved on the farm, she worked full-time here for many years, it wasn't the same relationship that Dave and I had as far as running the farm. Jesse and Jana weren't going to run it together in the same way that David and I ran it together. So that was really critical too. You know, thinking about the whole family and 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 how it would impact his family. And Eric's wife um, does not farm. She's not a farmer. And so, you know, it would be different there as well. It's like, okay, this this wouldn't be a family business. So they decided that they really didn't want to take take it on. And David and I were not at all hurt by this decision. I mean, we never expected our children to take it on. We never expected our children to work on the farm. That's not why we started it. We started it because this was, it was our passion. It's what we wanted to do. We felt really strongly about it. And we feel like what we did actually really made a difference. And you know, we feel really good about it. So the fact that the kids joined us and farmed with us for all these years was incredible. It was just absolutely incredible. And it was a gift. It was a gift to us, but we had no expectations that, you know, when we started that they would take it on. Now, had they, if they had had chosen to take it on, it would have been wonderful. But it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the big important thing. So the fact that Vermont Valley CSA had a 24 year run we feel like we've touched, we touched a lot of lives. We made a lot of difference in a lot of our members' lives. And we were able to 
reach out and mentor so many other farms. It made we made a difference in a lot of other farms' lives too because we had to learn so much from scratch. CSA had only been around for two years when we started farming, and we learned a lot from those early farmers as well. We learned a lot together with them, and then we were able, we were able to reach out and touch and teach and mentor so many young farmers. And that was just so rewarding for us. And it was a lot of fun to do. And of course, we still continue to do it. We're, we were always so open with our information. It, it meant a lot to us to be able to, to share what we had learned and, you know, once again, to, to create strength in the whole CSA movement. So the CSA was over in December of 2018. The seed potato business continues. Uh, it's a lot less time-consuming because it's one crop. It's a lot less labor-intensive. Je- David and Jesse can do it together. And at planting time and at harvest time, a couple more people are needed. And really, that's it. So that's where the farm is right now. How many, how, for how long the seed potato business is going to continue? Um, you know, I, I don't have that answer, but it's still going really strong and really well. That is a really amazing story. And I, I realize it probably happened slowly over years and lots of discussion and thought behind things. Mm-hmm. But it it sounds like, too, whether or not you consciously talked about it, but you always, when you started the farm, you didn't have this vision that it would go on forever. It was sort of, it was sort of your thing. I mean, I, th- I think that's really important to identify because... It, one thing you didn't even mention, which I don't think was probably even on your radar, was, oh, we could sell it to somebody. You know, you created a brand, a business. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's even a dollar sign behind that, but that's not what you're talking about here. And arguably nobody could create or recreate or continue to create what you have here because that was yours and and Dave's what you did. I, it just, it sounds, it's so reflective of what you have thought and inclusive and is there advice you'd give folks especially with a lot of women today starting farms later in life you know we've got mm-hmm. women coming to the Moses conference in their 50s even 60s early retirement and they have all kinds of visions which is fantastic but statistically a shorter time frame you know it's not going to be a 30 year business <laughs> like yours or we are not what we were at you know in these cases 50s and 60s and you were in your 30s right so so how would you help somebody navigate shorter time frames like that? Do you know in that even how can you uh, look at the approach you took of you're going to create something and it's going to be beautiful and magical and dynamic at the time. And as you were saying, have lots of impacts and ripples and then something else will come up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's just a really different approach to business period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how would you advise somebody who's starting that road? My first piece of advice is have a solid concrete plan because you can't go anywhere without a plan. And I've seen too often, you know, farmers starting and, well, I'm going to dabble in this and that. And, oh, I think I'll do market or I think I'll sell to restaurants. Oh, oh, it's like, well, you know, that doesn't give a good direction and a really that doesn't give a, a, enough of a direction to be really successful and 
um, whether you need to be financially successful or you don't need to be financially successful. Um, in our case, we did. I mean, for example, we had the plan of having 500 shares by our fifth season. And we just headed full tilt towards that goal. So um, I think just, just to really keep in mind, just to have a really super solid goal. And of course, um, have enough support, especially, you know, for women who are starting a little bit older. Um, don't think that you can do all the physical work yourself because body parts wear, gosh, they wear out. <laughs> If you're lucky, you know, I mean, that's good. Um, but <laughs> they wear out and they break and they tear. Um, so, you know, have have support and, and have the physical support and the, and the network that you need to accomplish your goal. Let it be your goal. Go crazy with your creativity. Um, you know, we did. You know, now people look at CSA as commonplace, but in 1994, when we started this farm, it was nothing but one huge ball of creativity that that <laughs> that we were embarking on, and so don't think that anything is 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 too crazy or too far out, um, but have a plan and and make it fun. Um, I had a ton of fun with this farm. I had a ton of fun with it, and it became it became bigger than I in my wildest imagination ever knew it could or would. I think if somebody told me in 1994 when we bought this farm, oh, you're going to be packing out 1,800 boxes someday and you're going to have a seasonal crew of 10 people and you're going to have 60 worker shares and you're going to have a half dozen full-time employees. You're going to be managing. Now, I would go, what? Because when <laughs> I started this farm, I didn't even think about managing employees. I thought about farming. So Wow, there's a there's a there's a lot, and you know maybe it was a good thing that I didn't know because it might have scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills, yeah. But um, you're ready at the right times. But you know, as it started happening, I had to once again be creative and plan. You know, okay, how is this going to work for me, and how is this going to work for our farm? Yeah. Well, you, we we're talking earlier about the ripples, but truly there are so many people farmers businesses educators our 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 organic community is so grateful to what you and dave have created and when i use the word magic early I, I i meant that sincerely in that it's something that you created that wouldn't have existed but it created all these other magical things and the movement has grown so much stronger both from various aspects, numerically and financially, and the number of CSAs. I don't even. How, do you know how many CSAs are? Well, many more around the Madison community and the country, uh, thanks to the vision you have. So, uh, appreciation, and uh, you will be seeing again all those ripples continuing. But it's very inspiring to hear your story of reflection because that's something that. It sounds like you made a conscious effort to do because life gets busy, right? And mm -hmm. the season gets busy. And did you take time at the end of the season to sort of process a bit more or how, or I don't know, any advice there? Winter was an amazing time and it, it gave, yeah, we, we, it gave us time to reflect on the season. We always did surveys. It gave us time to look at the surveys. It gave us time to 
plan or tweak or um, do anything differently the following season. And it also gave us time to leave the farm and take an amazing vacation somewhere so unlike the farm. I mean, we would go to tropical locations. We would just we would just go really fun and adventurous places with our kids, and just do something just really um, nourishing for ourselves. And our daughter, some years ago, she thanked us. She said, "Mom and Dad, I really want to thank you for." traveling with us. She goes, I know you did. You guys didn't have much money, especially when you first started the farm, but you still always took us on such amazing vacations and vacations. And we went to such interesting places. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for, you know, for phrasing it that way. And it was, it was real important to us to do something really special with our family because yes, we worked with them, but let's go play. Let's go play together too. So I know there are warm places. I remember being at a CSA conference in California and visiting farms and knowing that you can grow food 12 months out of the year. That was horrifying to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, winter was so important for, for, you know, regenerating my body and mind and, and spirit. And so yes, winter, winter was a really good time. Refresh and recreate. Terrific. Uh, Thank you, Barb. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.